And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music... Nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well... My advice to you... Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey guys, just a firmly reminder, we are coming up on our one year Boots and Whiskey Podcast anniversary. We are kicking it off a great celebration, June 11th, Country Jam, Wojcik's Farm, 65 Milk Street, Blackstone, Massachusetts. This is a 21-plus event from 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. Cat Country is going to be there out of Providence. Come check it out. Get your tickets. You'll be able to see Wendy and the Cultivators, Pete Tyler Band, Trigger South, the Pub Kings, Goat Roper Band, Houston Bernard, and Timmy Brown will be our headliner. It's going to be a hell of a night. Get your tickets. You're not going to want to miss it. June 11th. Country Jam, Wojcik's Farm. We'll see you there. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim. Welcome to the show, everybody. To our new fans and new listeners, welcome. Um, today we have Matt Burke on the show. This is a conversation that I had, or we had, at the end of February. And um, like I've talked about in the last few weeks... I had to push back for, you know, for a few reasons. And um, I'm I'm so psyched to have this out today. Um, the conversation I had with Matt was one, I say it every week, right? But super genuine. And that's what I loved about this show. You know, I, I sometimes don't know what I'm getting into with guests um, because I try not to dig too deep into them. Um, yeah, obviously know their music, have a little bit of background. But I want to, I want the conversations to be genuine. I want them to be a surprise. I want them, I want to learn something in every episode. And I learned a shit ton in this episode with Matt. Um, I want to say I, I might have learned more about Matt as a person and where he comes from and why he sings the way he does and sings the songs that he does than maybe any other guest I've ever had on this show. 
um, you know, it, it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. I, I even have to thank Matt, you know, for something really big. Um, if you've been following our whiskey reviews, um, we did Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey. Oh God, a while ago now. And a lot of that is thanks to Matt. Um, he, I don't think he realizes it and he probably doesn't. And maybe he will when, when this episode airs, but we talked, we talked about Nelson's Greenbrier at the end of the episode and you'll hear all about it. Um, and I had heard about it and I reached out to them and Nelson's has been a super supporter of this show. And I thank them so much for that. Um, but if it wasn't for Matt really giving it a push and you'll hear, you'll hear the push, uh, I would have never have discovered Nelson's Greenbrier ever tasted it because it's not up here. Um, and I've, I fell in love with it. So to Matt, to Nelson's, thank you so much. I, you know, it's been a great, it's been great being friends with, with both of you. Um, so really without further ado, I don't want to give too much away about this conversation because it's, it's honestly been one of my favorites of this whole, whole thing I've been doing here. Um, so thank you to my friends, CMV Music Network, Matthew Allen Photography, Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company, um, Soul Authentic, Whiskey Discs, Chocolate Whiskey Discs. Um, I actually have to stop every time I say that so I don't screw up to say you know what uh roxley and their whiskey stones and their premiere sets thank you all so much um here's a little a little uh a little commercial for cmv a little thank you to them um they're our they're our, they're one of our biggest supporters here so thank you for them um so enjoy that enjoy the episode um and we'll we'll talk on the other side I also want to say a big thank you to our friends over at CMV Music Network for sponsoring today's episode and helping us bring it to you. Always remember CMV Music Network. It's where musicians come to play. Hey, Matt. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, man? Good, good. There's a little bit of background noise here. There's people I'm trying to block out. So let me know if it gets too loud. And <laughs> that's all right. That's all right, man. I got kids and I, I tell that I yell at them every time I do a conversation to be, I'm just like, just quiet for a little while. <laughs> Give do me just a little while. Right. 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 Do whatever the hell you want. Just, just, just do it silently. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, thanks for being here. Um, so you know, a little rundown of the show. This is all about you. Um, I actually am just here as, as a catalyst for us to talk about you. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to tell me who you are, what you're doing, where you've come from, and I'll interject. I have zero questions for you until they come up in conversation. Cool. Um, so it's not that boring, you know, so what's your name? Where are you from? You know, none (laughs) of that, none of that bullshit. I don't have time for that. I just, I want to, I want to know Matt Burke. That's what I want. Awesome. I love it. So the floor is yours, my friend. Take it away. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. So, okay. So I am a singer-songwriter here in Nashville, and I've been here for about three years, but I don't count one of those years, right? Because it was COVID, and I lost a whole year. I mean, I wrote a lot of songs that year, but everything was on hold, you know? So yeah. I give myself – I've been here really two years working towards building something up. 
Um, I've been writing songs pretty much my whole life. I've been playing music pretty much my whole life. You know, third grade, I wanted to audition for the local university children's choir, and I did, and I got into it, and they, like, kind of toured and did, you know, so I've been singing since I can remember, right? Um, but I get into middle school. I, I got a guitar around seventh grade. I was bummed it was an acoustic and not an electric, so it kind of sat for a year, and I didn't touch it. Um, but eventually, I picked it up and started tinkering with it and fell in love with it, and then you know, it was really like the grunge movement, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, when all that stuff started happening, that's when I started going, I want to be in a band, I want to do this, you know, I want to rock out, I want to write songs. And, you know, recently I was asked on a podcast, you know, when did you start writing? Like, at what point did you decide you wanted to be a songwriter? And I thought about it, and it, I genuinely, like, never made the conscious choice. Like, it's just something I've always done, you know, yeah. and that started... Yeah. Back then, just, you know, playing instruments way too loud in garages and screaming and coming up with lyrics that made sense, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, I mean, we did that for a while. You know, in high school, it was all, you know, new metal, kind of corn lit biscuity, cold chambery, angry, mom took my skateboard away kind of music. And it was good for yeah. what it was. I mean, we yeah. recorded an EP in Daytona, and I still have it in my memory box and throw it in every once in a while because it still holds up. You know, like it's I'm proud yeah. of it. You know, even as like a 17-year-old kid, it was pretty cool. So... Um, but you know, after that, I went off to college, you know, my family was kind of a safe family that really pushed, like, you got to go get higher education. You got to get advanced degrees. It's the only safe route, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so I kind of went into that and it was a total mismatch, but I started playing acoustic music in the bars at that point, you know, and doing cover gigs and, and I fell in love with that. Ended up going off to Michigan state cause I enrolled in a PhD program in behavioral neuroscience and uh it was insane man like wow. i you know i basically convinced the woman that i was qualified to be there you know and she convinced me that she was a cool easy woman to work with and neither of those things were true <laughs> and uh <laughs> so so i got up there i was in way over my head i think on like the first day in that lab i got a nose full of sulfuric acid like it was on that level of like not having any idea what i was doing and just being way in over my head and and so I managed to squeeze a master's out of it. You know, I didn't make it a total waste of amounts. I was supposed to be there for seven years. I got out of there in two. Um, and then I was unemployed for four months. Didn't know what I was going to do. Found a job out in Chicago. And that was a blessing because it gave me a stable income. But most importantly, it introduced me into the music world out there. You know, yeah. and the blues influence was huge on me in Chicago. And at the same time, I got really involved in the cover band scene out there. And that is kind of where Chicago shines. I mean, the street fests, big venues, like cover bands out there are kind of like national touring acts. They get that level of attention. Yeah. And so, you know, there's full staging and in-ear monitors and like playing to, you know, big crowds and opening for Brett Michaels and all this kind of stuff was happening in the cover band world. So in a lot of ways, I got to kind of hone my performance chops and start learning like what worked and what didn't in that scenario you know yeah um so it was really cool but at the same time i'm getting really influenced by like the blues stuff and that's starting to work its way in so fast forward to 2010 i'm living in chicago i've been doing this for a couple of years and i decided i'm gonna put out an album of original music and that's when i created kind of this matt burke band idea you know the matt burke band in 2010 is when i started putting music out and uh, it wasn't ever really a band. I kind of just cobbled it together with, you know, people from the cover band scene that I knew or people from back home that I used to play with. And, and we put an album out to where it sounded like a full band. And I'd always piece together new bands to support that when we were touring after the album came out. And, mm -hmm. But it's always been me writing my songs, right? Like it was nice. never a collaborative thing. It was never, you know, everybody was bought in and we all equally contributed. It was always me bringing the songs to the table. And I think that's important because if you fast forward to, what was it, 2018, we had been building the Matt Burke Band in Florida for a while. I'd moved back there and uh, things were going well. It was a real kind of cool, funky, bluesy thing. And then my keys player died unexpectedly on me. 
Jesus. And I know it was absolutely insane. Like we literally played a gig together one night um, and seven days later she was in the hospital and had died and she had walking pneumonia um, and nobody knew it was undiagnosed for the better part of a year and her body finally couldn't handle it, you know? And wow. so it was this, it was this, I mean, like I grew up with this girl, like she was my home girl, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I knew her forever and it was serendipitous that we got brought back together when I moved back to Florida and she really helped kind of craft the sound and was as motivated and a hustler like I am, you know? So it was really, really sad and it really kind of shook the foundation and and like I said before nobody was really bought into this Matt Burton project the way I was or the way she was and so at that point it was like how am I going to hold this thing together nobody really cares except for me I, I don't have it in me to rebuild a new band at this point and I was like look man it's always been about me and my songs and I've always been in love with Nashville and it's not too far like why not just make that move and focus on being the best songwriter I can you know yeah and so that's what led me to say, okay, screw it. And in the beginning of 2019, I moved up here and I was just getting settled and falling in love with the town and meeting people and kind of hitting my stride. And then everything shut down with COVID, you know? And so that was rough, you know, all the money dried up. I, I uh, finally, it was finally the kick in the ass I needed to start doing my live stream, <laughs> which I'm still doing now, like 18 months later, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a tough time. And I think the good thing that I got out of it was, you know, I started just writing a lot, you know, um, to put it in perspective, when I moved up here, I had about 11 songs I was really proud of 11 songs. I was like, okay, I'm going to shop these songs. Like these songs are great. And in my first, you know, during that year of COVID, I think in 2020, I wrote 56 songs. Wow. And they, yeah. And, and then, you know, in 2021, I wrote 67. And so it's like, I'm writing, you know what I mean? Like, and that is honest to God, I don't think that could have happened without the pandemic. You know, right. now, I think now, sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to, but this is one of those jump in moments. Uh, Please do, because I have and a I tendency don't... to ramble. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> so that's all right. Slow there's, me down, man. Yeah, there's absolutely. Been, <laughs> there's been episodes where it's like, I'll look at the timer and it's like, shit, it's been a half an hour. I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> um, but, um, the devil's advocate not the devil's advocate yeah the um yeah the devil's advocate in me needs to ask you of all of these songs you've written how many of them are please don't take offense but how many of them are actually worthy of the matt burke sound i love that question i love that question because there are people so i'm a member of like several online songwriting communities and there's this real idea that the the more songs you write the better the songwriter you are and i fundamentally right. disagree with that right there's right. guys that boast about you know i wrote 380 songs last year and i'm like great 200 of those you're never gonna think about <laughs> you know right. what i mean right and so i you know i i could write more than this and i don't because i feel like this is my sweet spot and i feel right. that way because when i write 50 or 60 songs a year it means it gives me 10 to 15 songs i'm super stoked about Right. you know what exactly. I mean yeah. or that, that like fit my artist umbrella but it also gives me another 20 25 songs that I think I can pitch to other people or that right. might have a place in the sync world right so they might not make sense for me to release as Matt Burke but they've still got value they still might have a home somewhere and you know I'm a big fan of, of, of saying I got hooks in the water out here you know that's yeah, what Nashville yeah. is about it's just how many hooks in the water can you have just throw them out there you know right. what I mean yeah, yeah but I, but I I'd say I keep my number about ten percent of the songs that write are are thank God that's over I'm never gonna look at it again. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know it, it's funny because it's like I, you know I've talked to people where they're like you know we you know it's oh I've written you know fifteen twenty songs and like I 
on my end, I'm thinking that's it, you know, mm. like, and I, and I don't mean that's it. Like, I'm not a songwriter. I don't, I don't fucking know, you know, but like at the same time, it's like, you know, I, from the stories I hear, you have 10, 15 songs you've written in the last, you know, however many months, like the chances are none of those songs are any good, you know, mm. or maybe a couple are, but like, you can't build a career on three or four songs. That's right. Yeah. And it is a numbers game on a certain level, right? Like, yeah, you have to write a lot so that you can cherry pick it, you know, otherwise if you only have 10 songs, you're committing that those 10 songs are going to go to wax. And I guarantee you that not every one of them is a great song, you know? Right. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I get a lot of shit, you know, for all of the episodes I've put out to date. Um, And by the time, our conversation comes out, unfortunately, there'll be even a few more, right? Mm -hmm. And, but I'd say that to people all the time. I go, you know, out of the 70 or so episodes we've done September, I would say 60 of those really suck, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not because the art guests sucked. It's not because, you know, it was a learning curve. It's a learning curve. Absolutely. Right. You know? Um, So your sound is something I, I knew I wanted to touch base on because it's not a sound I think a lot of people hear and I don't think it's a sound that a lot of people would expect to hear coming out of Nashville with the way the scene is mm-hmm. um, so one I say that from a place of big fandom because your sound is what I would call real country music thank you uh, appreciate that um, so how do you you know, I know you touched on a little bit with Chicago and all that. Would you say that's where you found your sound and how it's be? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It it was, it was a strange transition. I mean, so, you know, somewhere along the line, I got into the songwriters, right? I think it was around college when I was doing like the, the acoustic bar gigs, you know, I started kind of getting into just the music that stood with just a vocal and a guitar, you know, and that obviously leads you into you know, the songwriter world. And if you're not careful, you can start sliding into the folk world, <laughs> you know? And so all that, but you know, if I, if I rewind to when I was growing up, my father always listened. I mean, he was listening to, you know, Merle Haggard and Willie yeah. Nelson and Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and Johnny Paycheck and Alabama and Oak Ridge boys. And, you know, so that's the stuff that was the soundtrack to my home coming up. Yeah. But then my mother kind of pushed back like she wasn't into all that she was more into like the hippie psychedelic stuff right so that's where that's where you got your Janis Joplin and your Doors and your Jimi Hendrix you know and and so I feel like it was those influences that I grew up on that I kind of rebelled against for a long time like I went the rock route and the rock Mm -hmm. route kind of involves giving the finger to country you know like I got no interest in that but it's it's in my blood, man. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I grew up in Florida. These sounds were all around me. And the older I get, the more I was drawn back into that stuff. You know, I think yeah. Waylon was my reintroduction. You know, I was like, oh, man, I used to love this stuff. And, and there it went. And then, you know, your guys like Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers started showing up on the scene. And that stuff just spoke to my soul. And it reminded me of that stuff that I grew up on. So when I moved up here, you know, I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. You know, I, I'm a big fan of modern production. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't, I'm not one of these guys that listens to top 40 country and says, this is all garbage, because I think there's a lot of really cool oh, stuff, hell yeah. you know, production wise that's going on. And there's some really great songs sneaking in too. There's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of formatting yeah. garbage, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but my idea is I want to, I want to play nostalgic music that sounds like it could have been from the seventies. It could have been from that outlaw era, but with those modern production tricks, you right. know what I mean? And so that's, oh, yeah. 
I think that's how if my sound now currently stands is I I want the bells and the whistles. I want a polished production, but I also want it to sound like a honky tonk from '78. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny because you know I've I've you know I do my homework right, and I've read up on you a little bit, and I see you know your name and Americana kind of connected every mm-hmm. so often. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean to you? Because I I I have an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to know how that correlates with you yeah i'll tell you you know i'll tell you why i use it you know i I tell people usually when they say what kind of music do you know i say it's an alt country leaning americana okay you know and and i like that because number one the the major criticism that the americana label gets is that it doesn't really mean anything that it's just a blanket term right (laughs) that can cover anything that's what i was gonna say (laughs) okay sure fair enough so i think the way i see it is that that's actually a positive I okay. think for me, I like Americana because it gives me my my taste is very eclectic and my songs are very eclectic, you know, and for a long time, I worried, am I going to confuse people? You know, like, do I not have a particular sound? Because I love I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by so many different things. Right. Yeah. And what I love yeah. about Americana is it can be it can be country or it can be folk or it can be Appalachian or it can be Motown. You know what I mean? Or it can be like, like if it's American music, if it's music that was created here, that's Americana in my mind. And I think that informs a lot of what I do, you know? Wow. So I got to, I got to sidebar here. Now, now I feel like a huge dickhead and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) So there's a, there's an artist up in this, in the New England area that calls himself Americana. Right. Mm -hmm. And I started a fan group for him years and years ago. And the last album we put out was all done in Nashville. And I'm like, guys, this, this is a country album. Like it, it's, it's top to bottom country music. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of pushback on it because, you know, the rest of it's, you know, I guess under that Americana umbrella. And, um, you know, I, I argue with people all the time and hearing your perspective of it mm-hmm. makes more sense to call it Americana because he does blanket everything the way you just just um described it right right exactly and, and i like that i feel like it gives me a it, it gives me a bigger box inside to operate you know yeah and absolutely. so like I, i'm working with my producer now trying to sort out how these songs make sense together and i've got a top 40 country ep right, right. i've also got a western kind of marty robbins style ep if not album i've got a full americana folk finger picky acoustic kind of album and then i've got some stuff that doesn't really make sense in any of that, that i'm trying to sort out you know yeah, yeah. but so some people could look at that and be like oh you, you're all over the place you got to hone this in and for me i'm like i can do different products you know i could put out yeah. a spaghetti western album and then put out a really cool you know cabin in the woods finger picking folk album and then put out some stuff that could contend on top 40 radio you know yeah and, and you like, know why that, not that makes you a unicorn in this industry i would hope so i i'm yeah. i'm <laughs> i'm waiting for other people to see that but we'll see you know you know i, I mean water right i mean for the people you know for the quote-unquote national acts that everybody you know you the non-country music followers would say hey you know, oh, I know this name because they're, you know, one of those top 40 hit kind of guys. There's not many that can do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, really the only one I can think of that can do it and do it well is, you know, Eric Church. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and, and I think that's the thing, you know, and, and it can be frustrating in a town like Nashville because, you know, I do work the songwriter angle as much as I work my artistry. 
You yeah. Know? So, yeah. so, you know, I have meetings with publishers once a month where I'm submitting songs, you know, and it's, so I, I'm getting close, you know, I, I submitted a song for season two of Yellowstone and oh, they, were, sick. they were super stoked about that, but it got dropped when it got to the LA table. You know, yeah. I, uh, I submitted a song for Luke Bryan and they took that and they passed it on and his people passed on it, you know? So it's right. like, I'm getting near misses, but a lot of times what I get is this isn't quite, you know, basically what they're saying in nicer terms is it's not quite formulaic enough. You know, it's a little right. outside of the box for us. So we don't really know what to do with it. But, you know, I, I try to tell myself, you know what, I bet you, you know, Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers were getting the same kind of feedback 10 years ago. You know, right. it's it made I'm, I'm waiting. I'm hoping that if I continue to do what I believe in, what I like hearing, what I see people resonate with, that the industry will catch up at some point. You right. know, yeah, but you know what, you might not even need the quote unquote industry because you think about, you know, people like Sturgill and Tyler, like they are very infamous or famous for, you know, telling Nashville to fuck off. That's true. Know? Yeah. So, and they're, they're killing, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. And there's so many avenues now where, where you could get the attention, you know yeah. what I mean? Like where you could go, you know, I hate the term, but you know, go viral with something, yeah, you know, yeah. because I mean, that, that's really where I feel like I'm at. Like if you had asked me three years ago, you know, I would have been like, well, I'm confident in my stuff, but I'm still kind of figuring out my sound and my style and, and what I want to do now. I, I very much feel like put me in coach. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I've got the songs. I know what I want to do. I know what my stage show looks like. And I'm just looking for a big enough megaphone, you know, so I can yeah. reach enough people. And so that's where I think if you hear me say things that sound like I'm interested in label attention or help, you know, that's all it is, is, is looking for to amplify my signal. You know, I certainly yeah. I'm certainly not looking for the traditional label deal at this point, you know. Right. I mean, and even if even if you, you know, are like that's that's great, too. But, you know, I think with your sound and what you have and what you've been doing, you know, I say to people all the time, like you in today's day and age, you don't necessarily need nashville as much as nashville may need you mm -hmm. yeah you know? that's nice i like that um so now that you know now that you have your feet a little better in in town and all that have you found that it's easier to do what you're doing than let's say even a year ago forget, I think so. forget the pandemic part of yeah it. Yeah, I mean, well, so easier, right? Like, the, how is it easier? Well, I think, I think I've streamlined my workflow a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think it's easier for me to show up to these, you know, I stack my schedule with co-writes because I know I am lazy, you know? And if it's just, <laughs> if it's just on me, I will put it off. You know, John Prine had a great quote where he said, you know, something, I'm going to get this wrong, but something along the lines of, you know, I, I never really want to write, you know? So if a co-writer shows up for a book, co-writer says, hey, man, you want to go get a hot dog? I'm always going to say yes to the hot dog, <laughs> right. you know? And I'm yeah. very much the same kind of writer, you know? So it's, these co-writes the beauty of being here and the beauty of the pandemic was it got me into okay this is just what it feels like this is showing up the work you know what i mean right. yeah. and for the longest time early in my career i i wrote when i felt inspired right yeah. like when the when the lightning struck and oh i gotta pick up the guitar and get this out of me and that's all great like some good songs come out of that but there's no consistency to it and you certainly can't rely on that you know right. And so I feel like that, yeah, that's gotten easier. Just showing up to work and getting the songs done. Like I just watched my tally grow all, all year and it doesn't feel like work. Like it just feels like, cool, this is, this is my life, you know? Yeah. And so that's great. It's getting easier in the sense that, that, you know, places are opening back up again, right? Like I, 
I, I really miss touring. I've always booked independent tours just two, three weeks at a time. You know, I've lived in Florida and Chicago and now Nashville. So my dream when I moved up here was to just connect those, right? And just mm-hmm. over the course of the year from Chicago down to Key West, just play venues, you know, work that route. And that really shut down for about a year and a half because of COVID. That's getting easier because places are starting to open up. You know, entertainment budgets are coming back. People are booking. People are less, you know, sensitive about going out and seeing live entertainment now. So that's getting easier, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's I, I for me, I feel like it's, you know, I heard a quote the other day that said the songwriting industry is like you finish a marathon and instead of a finish line, it's the start of another marathon, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think in a lot of ways, that's how it's not easier, you know, because it's an ever moving goalpost. And every day, all you can do is compare yourself to everybody around you that's constantly posturing and tell you how great they are and how much they're about to break it. Very demoralizing. You know, it's yeah. I've never lived in LA, but I imagine it's comparable, right? Like everybody's out for themselves here. And I, I believe that like the pie is infinite. You know, we can all share the pie and helping people out, you know, karmically just helps you out. But unfortunately, the vibe here seems to be, you know, if I help you out, that's less pie for me, you know. So that's very yeah. much in that regard. I don't think have gotten. E- I don't think things have gotten easier. I think the COVID made people even more cutthroat, you know, even more like I got to protect what's mine and what I have. And so it's for a networking town, it can, you know, it can be very isolating. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because even in like this this realm of the the podcast, you know, media aspect of it, 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 there's a lot of that here too, where it's, I'm sure, you know, you try to, you try to have a connection with somebody from another show or that does their own thing. And you're like, Hey, I saw you had so-and-so on or whatever, like, you know, can you, you know, would you mind sharing that contact? And it's like, well, and it's like, all right, well, you've already had them on the show. Like, <laughs> like what, what, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only so many artists that are, you know, there's a ton of artists, but you know, there's only so many artists out there to, to, you know, make, you know, a show worth it. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, I personally don't understand that because I have, you know, if somebody were to come to me and be like, Hey, can I have, you know, Matt's info? I'd be like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> like have them on, bring, yep. get them out there. there you know, you like, I don't, I don't know. I personally don't understand it, but yeah. Well, but That's you got to figure there's like-minded folks out there, right? And yeah. those are the kind of people that I try to gravitate towards. And, you know, when I find them, you know, that those people become members of my team, you know, like, yeah. and I will, I will go to, you know, when they got something out, I'm as excited as they are and vice versa, yeah. you know, yeah. so. Yeah. And there's plenty of those people out there too, 100%. Yep. yep. Just takes a little work. You just got to, yeah. you got to dig a little, you know. That's right. That's right. So let's, um, a little bit about your music and what you have released and what you have releasing this year what what does that all look like for you right okay so i my plan when i over the course like year year and a half was to put out a single every four to eight weeks i wanted to try out different frequencies right yeah and so i learned you know i put out probably five or six songs over the course of 2021 you know starting in 2020 um and some of them went did well, some of them didn't. I tried out some, you know, outside sources to help me promote things. I tried some playlist pushes. Some things worked, some things didn't. And I think what I've come back to at this point is, you know, my focus, what I can control is writing the best songs I can, you know, producing them to a level that I feel confident with my producer to where I'm like, this sounds great. I want other people to hear it. And mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, it, it's going to go where it goes, right? Like all these artificial pushes and, sh- and stuff, it's, you know, sometimes it can help and get your vanity numbers up, but it didn't really do anything towards, you know, attracting the right audience to my music. 
you know? So mm-hmm. I also learned about myself that if I try to put something out every four weeks, I will give up on music entirely because I hate that kind of pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, so, for, so I've slowed down a little bit. I've taken some of the pressure off me. Now I put out, you know, something every, I'd say probably every month or two, I should mm-hmm. probably step that up and make it a little bit more regular. And so what I've done over the past six months is really just sat down with my producer and started working on four or five songs at once. And now we've got a nice little backlog. And so now my only struggle is figuring out what I want to put out first and, you know, what kind of merch wants to go with it and what I'm going to do with it. And, and so, yeah, so I, I kind of, I feel like I established my base, right. With my new Spotify page as a solo artist versus with the band. And I threw out some of my honky tonk stuff and I tried to throw out a couple of songs that kind of showcase the other aspects I touched on, right. The Americana songwriter vibe, uh, I had a song called Please Come Over come out about a year ago that was more top 40 country, you know, trap hats and everything happening. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, you know, so my, my idea was I just want people to get a vibe on, you know, what I'm capable of doing and see how they respond. And I think overwhelmingly they responded best to like the 70s honky tonk retro stuff, you yeah. know. And I love that stuff too, man. So I don't mind focusing on that, you know, and now I know that. So when I go into these co-writes I have every week, I'm going, hey, I can always use more of these honky tonk songs you know and so we've got some really fun stuff coming out i've got a song we're working on that i'm super excited about called tequila summer um that was the one that i pitched to luke bryan that almost got a cut but uh you know they ended up passing on it so i said why not i'll put it out as my summer song so that that should be coming out in early may um i've got some really cool john priney kind of tunes uh that are starting to lump together into a little ep potentially a full-length album and my producer and i are going out to a cabin in chattanooga in april and just tracking that thing out and getting it done you know so i'm excited about that that'll be a product that i'll actually be able to get out there and and, and sell at shows and stuff uh which is good you know the singles are great for keeping people's attention but man as an artist nothing feels as good as putting out like something you can hold in your hand you know i'm sure right sure yeah, so I'm excited to be getting back to that. That's awesome. That's that's really incredible, you know, because at the end of the day, like, you also have to, you know, forget about, you know, part of it has to be what people want to hear, but it also has to be what you want to put out, too. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you had mentioned, and I, I find it interesting because I say it all the time, that people want that more 70s honky-tonk sound, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I, I remember growing up, you know, my parents are not, really country music bands and my I, my dad only listens to it now because i'm doing this but um you know but they were big skinnered and you know all those kind of bands you know mm-hmm. they were big into those and i and i tell them i tell them all the time like if those bands came out today they'd be country music 100 percent. you know so i find it interesting that you say that because i think a lot of people are going back to that that sound and some of these bands and artists that have that sound are you know, starting to climb the country music ladder a lot faster than those that don't. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, a lot of these pitches that I hear from publishers in town for like what artists are looking for, a lot of it is informed by they say, oh, we want it to be more 90s country, you know? So that's what you get is either 70s classic, you know, outlaw country kind of lean and stuff. And I think that was largely informed by the red dirt movement, you know, that started popping up. Um, but now everybody's realizing, like, dude, Travis Tritt, everybody always loved Travis Tritt. <laughs> you know, right. he's, still, he's still making money hand over fist and touring like he was, you know, 30 years ago. Right. And there's a reason for that. That kind of songwriting holds up. Brooks and Dunn, you know what I mean? Like, it, and, and those kind of songs, man, I mean, it's, it's songwriter songs. They tell a story. They, they make you feel something. They bring you through an arc. It resolves nicely. And then they're beautiful on top of that. Right. You know, so... One of my favorite things about moving here was the ability to start putting pedal steel on my songs. You oh, know? Wow. 
And like, whew, the first time <laughs> I heard a track come back with pedal steel on it, I'm like, oh, this is why I moved here, you know? Right. You know, you know, it's funny that you mentioned those those guys from the nineties that are, you know, were heavy hitters, you know. It's funny because I hear those people all the time, right? But nobody, and this might be a little my, little my bias coming through. Um, mm-hmm. uh, nobody seems to mention Garth and what he did for the genre, and you know, in it in popular culture and stuff like that. And, you know, and then mm-hmm. you know he goes away for you know ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen years, and then comes back and starts selling out stadiums again. Yep. You know, I I think it's to your point exactly what people want to hear that's exactly right yep yep i mean um, they got it right you know and i think you can hear that kind of songwriting in chris stapleton yeah you know you know like that music that still speaks to your soul that really connects with you it's they're doing the same thing those guys were and that's why that's what i'm trying to get out of nashville you know because that's still very much here it's just been now it's put through that filter of you know the chase rices of the world and it's (laughs) you know okay well Right. And, you know, and that has its value. I mean, obviously it's making money for a lot of people, you know, but the song, man, it's all about the song in Nashville. I think at its heart has always been about the song first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I joke, I half jokingly say it all the time that, you know, country music is what I listen to because it's what, you know, most closely resembles the things I go through in my own life. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't connect anymore with the, like we talked about earlier, the, you know, being pissed off at mom and dad. Right. Music. You know, it just just don't like it's good. It's there for, you know, it's there to put on the, the playlist when you're having a bad day, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not it's not what well, for me, what I'm listening to every day. And I think, you know, as you know, our age group gets older and older and older, you know, these songs and especially the way you write your songs like it, it just it resonates. I'm glad it's coming across that way, you know, because that's yeah. what I love about music, right? Is I want to feel something, I want to have a moment, you know. Yeah. And and I just can't, you know, like there's a, there's a lot of pop music that's really well produced, that's really catchy, that's got a lot of ear candy in it. But you know, these are young kids, and they don't have the well of experience to write from. You know, yeah. it's there's only so many ways you can write a song about being heartbroken after a breakup. You know, right. and it's like right. okay, cool, I get it, and it's beautiful, like you did well with it. But I don't want to only hear that one story over and over again. Right. You know. And that's what I loved about, you know, outlaw country and seventies country. And then even if you take it out to the nineties stuff we were talking about, it's all, you know, it's something interesting, you know, there's always that Nashville twist, right? Yeah. <laughs> At some point, something yeah. turn you didn't expect, or there's a resolution you didn't expect. And man, doesn't that feel good? You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it kind of brings me to, you know, speaking of songs and the songwriting and, the, you know, you're, you're kind of <laughs> quote unquote single that you have out now with coffee, whiskey, and weed. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, really for people 30 plus, and I'm sure even maybe even a little younger, like that is almost how the day goes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so is that, you know, when you when you're writing that song, is that kind of where you're coming from with that? So that one, it, that one actually came directly from the pandemic. It was right at the start of the lockdown, the very yeah. first lockdown. When we were all like, oh my God, what is happening? Right. And we all had yeah. to spend two weeks in our homes. 
uh, you know, I was talking to a buddy and it was a buddy I was just sitting down to write a song with. He's like, man, y'all stocked up. I'm like, yeah, I went to the grocery store. I got everything. And I'm like, I, st- I still need to go out and get a couple of things. I still need coffee. I still need whiskey and I still need to get some weed. <laughs> I'm like, hold up. I'm about to write a country song here. <laughs> and that was one of the ones, you know, where in about two and a half hours, we had it start to finish, you know, and I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. And it's it's a great song. It really, really is, you know, because it, it's it it really is the three fundamental things that I think most adults, especially right. in a 2022 world, you know, I don't want to say rely on on a daily basis, but no. you know, it, it helps get us through the day. It's your it's your mental health kit, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So for what you have coming out, you know, we we talked about it a little bit, like how closer the songs coming like this one uh okay yeah that's a good question so what's my next like real honky tonker so we've got a tune called friday night wasted um and that was actually another tune coincidentally that i wrote during the during the pandemic there's you know a good bit of drinking happening (laughs) and so this one we were all in a parking lot party across the street at the bar and they were doing takeout drinks so you could do drinks, but you couldn't hang out inside. You had to like everybody was spaced out wearing masks in the parking lot, but still trying to be social, you know? Yeah. And uh, everybody ended up just getting lit on this day out there in this parking lot. We're hammered. And I sang a voice memo in, or no, it was, it was talking to a buddy and it captured me saying, man, I feel like I'm getting Friday night wasted on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, hold on, there might be a tagline in that. And sure enough. Wow. And so that song ended up being just classic, you know, going to the bar, drinking too many, getting messed up. And I'm getting Friday night wasted on Sunday afternoon. And it's it's right in there. Like if there was an album with coffee, whiskey, weed and miss my chance on it, this one would fit right next to it. You know? nice. So, yeah, um, yeah, I've got another song called Polishing the Brass on a Sinking Ship. It's actually just called Polish of the Brass, but, you know, that's the tagline. And that one leans a little bit more John Priney, but the production is going to be full on Honky Tonk Shuffle, too. And it's more kind of my my interpretation of what life is, which is, you know, you're supposed to have a good time. You're supposed to have these moments and all this kind of self-preservation. I'm never going to do anything that's ever bad for me is polishing the brass on a sinking ship because we're all headed to the same destination, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm believe me. I am. I'm both excited and honored to be able to be like, okay, this is my this is my home ground. This is my shit right here. You know, like I can always come back to these honky tonkers and give the people what they want. But it's also really nice to be able to branch out from that too and be like, okay, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Just kind of test the water you know yeah yeah you know it's it's awesome that you know i don't talk to many artists that have that seem to have such a grasp on and this is going to sound really bad for anybody else that's listening to these or any any former guests that have like a grasp on reality and i Mm -hmm. don't mean that disrespectful to anybody you know but you know you don't you're not you don't shy away from things that are actually going on and you know, feelings that you're having, it's, you know, this is how I live my life. This is how life is for me. And that's, I'm okay with it. Right. I mean, cause I figure if I'm feeling these things, there's gotta be at least a handful of other people that are feeling too. You know? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Now when you're writing songs or when you're, you know, like you mentioned being in the parking lot, is that something songwriters go through a lot where you, you're doing something and, you know, something comes into your brain, whether it's a conversation or whatever, and you, you pull out your phone, and you're like, God, I got to write this down before I forget. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where the majority is. So, you know, songwriting is, is an output industry, right? Yeah. Like you're putting things out. So for me, I'm constantly looking for ways to fill my tank, right. To get, yeah. to get input so that I've got stuff to put out and whether that's, you know, an experience or a trip or, you know, a new book or a new movie or just something I catch in conversation, I consider myself a sponge. You know, my job yeah. is to hear interesting things, to see interesting things, to think about new spins on old sayings. And, uh, you know, I've just got a, I've got a note on my phone that's just an ever-running list of song ideas or cool phrases or tags. And I'd say, you know, probably 40% of that list comes from just stuff I hear in conversation or stuff I inadvertently say. I'll be like, ooh, that sounds like a song title, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'll think, I'll think most of the stuff is garbage, you know, because I put down everything. But I'll tell you, man, I've got a good success rate right now with these rights yeah. I'm going to because I'll throw these titles out and people are like, ooh, that's really cool. Let's write that. And I'm like, cool. I thought so too. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> my picker, my picker is good. I know that, you know? Yeah, that that's cool. Now, from from the songs you've written, um, have you written a song from somebody else's point of view that you really like? That's a good question. Well, I think... You know, when I moved to Nashville, I stopped writing all of my songs from a personal point of view, right? Okay. So there's a lot of songs I write now that are based on things I've been through or based on experiences I've had. But, you know, a perfect example is I have a song I love called 20 Minutes East. And it's about, you know, growing up in a small town with one stoplight and you lived in a trailer park and you'd take your fishing pole out down this long dirt road and go fishing under this elm tree. And that was your respite. That was where you always found your peace. You know, this 20 minutes east of whatever the bullshit was that was going on in your life, you could always find this meditative spot. None of that happened to me. I didn't fish growing up. You know, I didn't live in a trailer park. But I could put myself in that space and say, you know, because it was similar. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I grew up in a rural area and I did spend a lot of time outside and on bodies of water, you know. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not that I'm creating something new from a completely unknown perspective, right? It always draws on my own experience. But I think that's probably the one song that I've written that's like, this isn't me. This isn't my life. But damn, do I relate to it, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and damn, doesn't it sound like it was somebody's life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always found that interesting when, you know, artists write from 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 a different perspective, you know, other than maybe necessarily something they went through, you know, word for word, mm -hmm. um, you know, and how how that relates. It's interesting to me. So they do that a lot in like songwriting retreats. They'll be like, OK, you're going to write a perspective, you know, like you're going to write this song from the perspective of a woman, you know, if you're a man or from this. And right. I. I wouldn't say it's a strong suit of mine. You know, it's definitely an area I want to keep working on, you know, but I do, I do think my songwriting as a whole has shown a tendency over the past couple of years to start going into stories that I haven't personally lived, you know? Right. It's kind of like when you're in high school and they're like, all right, well, if you, if you think this or have an opinion on this, write the opposite. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. You yeah, know, to get is. out of your own framework. Right. And there's some cool is. stuff outside of that box. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, it's, it makes, you know, when you get out of that box, it makes your own thoughts and opinions either more solid or, you know, mm -hmm. you find you find the holes. Absolutely. Um, so now being in town and doing your thing, um, what are you doing when you're playing live? Where are you going? How How is that all going for you? Yeah, so it's it's 
a hundred percent solo stuff now, you know, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I tell people I'll put a band together again when I need to, you know, <laughs> when, when, when the gig justifies it. Um, yeah. but I'm doing a lot of conferences, you know, uh, my goal okay. right now is just really to kind of network and find people that can help me, you know, from a radio standpoint or a booking standpoint or whatever. But I go to a conference every couple of months, you know, I do showcases, um, here in town, I've got a residency downtown at a, at a bar down there every Sunday, um, I just started doing a couple of new hotel gigs down that way. And surprisingly, I'm now playing the Nashville airport twice a month, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which I, you know, I was hesitant. I'm like, I'll try it out. It sounds interesting. Cause part of me says, listen, the Nashville airport, the industry is moving through there all the time. Right. So right. it couldn't hurt right. to be playing in front of these people. Well, it turns out it's incredibly lucrative too. I don't know oh, if it's really? because, yeah, I don't know if it's because drinks cost $20 at the bar at the airport. So people don't think to tip anything less than a 20, but the money has been great. So I'm like, well, you know, and I get a security badge, free employee parking, and I get to skip security when I fly. Okay. This is a win for me, Hell <laughs> you yeah. know? Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 Um, so that's what I do around town. You know, I just, I obviously, I do the songwriter rounds, uh, you know, every month as well. So I'm getting out there and playing these songs and testing them out in front of, you know, rooms of people that are there to consume new music. And that's always really cool too, to be able to take a song you just wrote that you believe in and go out and see if other people believe in it too. And I think it's really helped me kind of decide which songs I'm going to release when is when I know that, you know, a particular song and songwriter rounds is just continually killing. I'm like, okay, this one is jumping the line. You know, we got to work on this. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the airport thing. I'm, I'm, I'm like reeling that in right now because uh-huh. I don't know if you saw the video, but there was a video out there a couple of weeks ago where somebody was, I think they were playing Tootsies at the airport and mm-hmm. they were singing Flower Shops and Ernest was walking by and jumped oh, in. I can't wait. I know it's going to happen because I'm booked twice a month through July and I'm sure right. it's going to keep going after that. There's Inevitably, someone's going to walk by is going to hear me playing their song or at least something they want to sing on. You know, and I cannot right. wait. Right, right. That, that, that to me is like cool. You know, and it's funny because when I came in through the National Airport, like it kind of took me by surprise of people playing in the airport. But I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and I honestly, like, it was like, oh God, these poor bastards are playing in the airport. But like you say it the way you the way you see it, and it's like, wow, that actually make, it actually makes more sense to play in the airport than it would to play on Lower Broadway. I'm happy about it. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna yeah. hustle for that kind of money on Lower Broadway. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you really are. And uh, you know, I, I believe me, I went into it with a like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, I'll like try I was... it because I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grab every gig possible right now. But I don't know if this is gonna be a permanent thing. And sure enough, it just didn't go really well, you know. And it's, yeah. you know, knock on wood, but we're four in now, and every one of them has gone really well. And I, I see social that. engagement. You know what I mean? Like people, I, I usually get between. 10 and 20 new follows on my Instagram and my Facebook. And those people like tend to be engaged with my posts from that point forward. So they're really like active people. They're like, you know what? I connected with this. I want to keep an eye on you. You know, and yeah. that's great. Cause I don't get that out of some of my better gigs, you know? Right. Right. Now, did you, were you part of the whole, um, did you do anything at CRS last week? Mm, or I CSR, did not. Whatever the hell, whatever the hell it is. That one I'm not familiar with. Mm-mm. Now, I guess a um, bunch of the country radio people, converge on nashville for a week every year and have their conferences and everybody comes out and you know pulls out all the stops and i got you so yeah. that that's on the bucket list for us for next year i think um, nice but we'll see you know it's hard to keep track of all these things there's so many things going on in this town you know yeah. like we've got tin pan south just starting up in a couple of weeks here and i'm super super excited about that 
yeah, yeah. Um, so what does a tour look like? Are you thinking of doing anything like that? Are you? Yeah, I've got, of... a, I've got a couple of short run things coming up. So I'm going up to Chicago uh, in the third week in March, and I'm doing a little listening room up there in Arlington Heights called Hey Nani. Uh, that's on a Tuesday night. Those All these dates are on my website. Um, but then I'm doing a couple little house parties, a couple Hampton social gigs during the week, and then I've got a Chicago So Far Sound show on Saturday the 26th. And uh, they've, they've been great. I don't know if you're familiar with the So Far network of shows. I'm not. Okay, so it started in London, and now it's a global network, and it so far stands, or excuse me, stands for Sounds from a Room, and it's it's like a they've done old churches, they've done bars in downtown Chicago, they've done people's really nice houses, they've done rooftops, and it's someone volunteers a space, and they bring in three curated songwriters, and they make a night out of it, and it's only about forty or fifty people capacity for each one of these shows. These people sign up for so far, and they don't know who they're going to see. So far, just says, "Hey, we've got a show coming up in West Chicago on this date. It's twenty bucks for a ticket. Let me know if you're interested." And people bid on it, and they get in. And what you end up with is a room full of people that are there specifically just to discover new music. Wow. And it's really cool, man. You know, like that is one of the my favorite things to do as an artist. You play for twenty minutes. You play maybe three or four songs. You promote your socials. You always get like 20 or 30 new followers of people that love your stuff, sharing your your, your videos, you know, really engaged. And and they pay you on top of it. You right. Know? So it's it's an unbelievable thing. So I, I just keep going to Chicago for those. So that's going to be a nice week there. And then I just lined up a week, uh, about a week and a half of dates down in Florida that I'm still adding to over Easter weekend. Nice. So I'll be going, uh, driving down from here and, hitting some spots in Chattanooga and in Georgia and then getting down into Florida and doing kind of the home base places that I used to play when I lived down there in central Florida. So I'm excited about that too. That's awesome. We got to get you up here, man. Like where are you located again? Where? Uh, so I am, you know, I keep telling people Boston because it's just easier, but um, in reality, I'm about an hour and 10 minutes South of Boston. Um, okay. So I'm still in Massachusetts, but I'm about 20 minutes North of Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, and then about twenty five minutes south of Worcester, Mass. Oh man! So right before COVID hit, we had a little bit of a so far tour lined up, and we were doing New York City and Boston dates and DC, oh. and it all felt like they we, we had confirmed contracts were being sent out, and then COVID hit and they pulled everything back. You know, oh. so point is that's out there, that's a possibility. You know, yeah. Um, and then I do actually do the Northeastern Regional Folk Alliance Conference every November in Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and that's all people in the Northeast, you know. Yeah, and and it's it's all booking rooms and radio DJs and promoters and and so I'm I'm actively working to get into that market, man. It should be sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you know being out here, you know, everybody thinks Boston, and it's like that's that's the hub, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Boston's a real pain in the ass to get in and out of, mm -hmm. um, even on a <laughs> even on a Wednesday morning. Um, but like Providence is really starting to push a country music scene. I think they have oh, a, nice. they have a newer outdoor, it's a small venue, but you know, the brothers Osborne played it last year and um, Chris Young is coming to play it this year and Kip Moore, you know, they, they keep building this repertoire of, of, you know, nationally known acts coming to the city That's awesome. and you know, the country music scene in new England is actually bigger than, I think most people think it would be um, mm. just, just ge geographics alone. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to talk, you know, sing about 
you know, your horse and, you know, the, the, <laughs> ba- the backwoods and in New England, because we don't have a ton of that, right? <laughs> you know, but it works, you know, and there's such a scene here. And, you know, my, my goal this year is to really kind of showcase a lot of what Providence and Worcester has, because the, the country music scene in this stretch that I'm in is <laughs> uh, unbelievable. It's, it That's really awesome. is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think everybody appreciates a good song. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think thank, thankfully country's coming back around to that now. You yeah. know? Yeah. And you know, we're fortunate because, you know, a lot of the country acts that are coming are hitting Worcester and Providence rather than Boston because, you know, it, uh, more people are gravitating to those cities because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, you know, there's there's some connections, you know, this show has. So you know, if you ever if you ever want those connections or want to reach out to those people or have me reach out, I'd be more than happy to because I think your sound is something that this area needs. A hundred percent, man. You know, I have guitar, will travel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm yeah. put me in. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that, that's literally what I'm here for. You know, is at yeah. this point I'm just trying to get out to new folks and new venues and and really just play for as many people as I can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a hundred percent. So I talking for a while and i appreciate all of your time like more than you more than you'll ever imagine um but i do have i know at the beginning i said i have no questions for you but i do have two that i asked everybody um one if you wear cowboy boots what are they and two i mean i'm guessing you like whiskey so um what is your whiskey of choice I love it. What great questions. Okay, so let's start with the whiskey. <laughs> so, okay, so my go-to, this is so great. So I did the bourbon trail in Kentucky like 10 oh, years ago. God, and I, I want to do it so bad. It's so much fun. It's so worth it, you know? And uh, when I went to Four Roses, uh, there was this little old white-haired lady that was doing the tour, and she was explaining the differences between the different varieties. And the Four Roses Yellow Label is the cheapest, just standard bottle, right? And she goes, this is the Four Roses Yellow Label. This is my Monday through Friday sipping bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, I stole it. I swear to God, that is Four Roses Yellow Label. is $20. It is my Monday through Friday sipping bourbon. It is delicious. It is a low price point. But being in Nashville, you know, there's a Bell Mead bourbon out here that I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, I used to play a hotel gig. It didn't pay shit, but they gave me an open bar tab and they had Bell Mead. And so that's where I got my fair share of that. Um, love that stuff. They're also, they're made by Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery and they also make Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. And that's the picture that's actually the whiskey that I'm drinking on the Coffee, Whiskey and Weed album art and all the promo stuff that I put out for it. Well, I tagged them on my Instagram when I put that stuff out and they loved it so much. They reshared it on their page. And they told me that, thanks so much for sharing this. We really love your song, blah, blah, blah. They sent me a bottle of whiskey and some bourbon socks and a bunch of pins and stickers. Like, they were so cool. So That's awesome. Those are my whiskeys, man. Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee whiskey, Bell Mead bourbon, and, of course, Four Roses from a Monday through Friday sip. <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny that you, you mentioned Four Roses because it's like, you know, obviously I watch a lot of the bourbon TikToks and, you know, bourbon on YouTube and all that shit. Uh-huh. And, you know, people, it's one of those things, people are loving Four Roses. And I think it's because of the price point and because of the taste. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you, you know? can easily charge $40 for that bottle, in my opinion. You know, yeah. I mean, because what's comparable at that price point is what, Jim Beam? You know, yeah. like nobody's sitting down drinking a glass yeah. of Jim Beam on the rocks. They're not loving it if they are. Right, right. And, you know, it's it's so funny because, I, you know, I, 
I've been fortunate to have some stuff sent my way as well. And, you know, I've, I've reached out to some, some of the people you've mentioned in that, that short list you, you did and, you know, got, got an opposite reaction and that's, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I really love, I'm really loving the, uh, the Tennessee whiskeys that I've tried, you know, those are some of my favorite. I don't, I don't know why I just, you know, everything that is a Tennessee whiskey has just been lights out for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. And I, you know, I learned over at the Nelson's Greenbrier distillery when I did their tour that they said it's basically just bourbon. It's the same exact formula as bourbon, but it's got an extra filtering process through charred maple wood, which is interesting. And I never knew that, you know, but I guess that, you know, you start thinking about what, what do people say about Tennessee whiskey is exceptionally smooth. Right. And I think it's that, that extra layer of filtering, you know, so I'm in man, you know, you're going to filter my bourbon, give me unfiltered bourbon. Either way, if it's bourbon, I'm in. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty standard Jack guy. You know, that's how I got into this. Sure. Um, You know, I could drink Jack all day long, however the hell you want to give it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I've, you know, Buffalo trace. I like a lot. Me too. Big um, fan. Uh, I actually, there's a, there's a TX whiskey out there. Um, and TX actually sent me a bottle of their stuff, even though they weren't, I guess, supposed to, from what I gather. Um, and I like fell in love with that, their stuff. Like if you can get yourself a bottle of TX whiskey in any form, I would suggest it because Where I are they out of? Texas. Texas. Okay. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. They, they're, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my wife likes whiskey too. And she was like, let me try that. And she was like, damn, like, this is really good. They're out of Fort Worth. Okay. I'm gonna keep an eye out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know they're kind of regionalized and localized from what I gather, but they were, they were featured on Yellowstone in the last season. Um, so the fact that they haven't blown up, blown up kind of surprises me. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to um, check those out. And when it comes yeah. to cowboy boots, I have one pair that I absolutely love. Um, it has to be the right outfit for them, you know, but I couldn't <laughs> even tell you what the brand is. I found them in a uh, Goodwill in Colorado, and uh, they were only 20 bucks, and they fit me like a glove, and they're already oh. broken in, and they got really cool detailing and stitching up the stem, and so I absolutely love them. Yeah, I hope they, I hope they hold up forever. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I only have I only have one pair of boots that I've ever had and I, I love mine and they're Ariats and you know, they're, they, they fit great and they, you know, they slide on and off like slippers. So it's, love it's it. been my go-to. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time and I'm sure I talked to you for way longer than you expected, but I appreciate the, the diligence and the, and the conversation a lot. This is great, man. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much sure. for having me on. Thanks, man. Uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Stay in touch. All right, buddy. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Matt Burke. Matt, thank you so much for being on this show. I really meant what I said at the beginning about, you know, learning about Matt and, and, you know, creating that friendship that I never in a million years would have thought would have been something. And, um, it was, it was really awesome. You know, there were, there were some things and I think you could hear it that, you know, maybe, Maybe him and I didn't didn't agree on, but um, you know, at the end of the day, we're friends. I think. I mean, I, at least I consider him a friend. You know, I think those those are the best friends to have are the ones that you don't always see eye to eye with. Um, and again, thank thank you, Matt, for for the Greenbrier 
um, recommendation. It's become my new favorite whiskey for sure. Um, so Nelson's, if you want to, you ever want to do something, let me know more. If you ever want to do more, let me know. I'm on, I'm on board a hundred, 150% on that. Um, so like I said last week, we got a bunch of things coming up. Uh, stay tuned for that. Got some shows coming up in the, here in the next couple of weeks that we'll be, um, we'll be at, we'll be, f- um, following and all that. Next week, we have another great episode for you. Um, not to, not going to give much away on that end. Um, because I don't want to, uh, <laughs> and I want you to, I want you to come and watch, come and listen. Um, it's actually another one of the conversations that I, I was really pleasantly surprised at. Um, so stay tuned next week for that. Um, so really thank you all for, for joining me again today. It was, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll, we'll, um, we'll talk soon. We'll see you on the other side for all the, for the new people. Thank you for, thank you for being here. And I look forward to, to talking with you all soon. Um, follow us on all of our socials. Um, go check out our website, bootsandwhiskeyentertainment.com. And really, thank you for all the support. Keep liking, keep sharing, keep following, keep listening. Without you, I wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you all so much. And we'll see you next week. And until then, keep the boots on the ground and the whiskey in the glass. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>